Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you, Pastor Joe. God is good. Amen. Isn't it good to be in church on Sunday morning? Nothing better than Sunday morning coming out to church to praise and to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I'm so blessed to be here with you this morning. As Pastor Joe uh, mentioned, I have been at the youth camp and uh, I'm realizing that I'm getting a little bit older, you know, hanging around all those young kids running and, and uh, doing their own thing. You know, with my wife, we, we conducted 10 youth camps when we were in the, in, uh, in the ministry as a youth pastors, and uh, we know what it's all about to run a youth camp, and, uh, you know, with, uh, I thank God for those that, you know, Pastor Chris and the, and the leadership team that are, that are running such an amazing camp, and to see the young people of this church praising and worshiping Jesus and receiving the Word of God with expectation, that is, that is something that you don't see in every church. Young people that go after God. So, you know, continue praying for your young people. Lift them up before God. And uh, I thank God for the weekend that we have had. Amen. Pastor Joe, thank you very much for the privilege to be able to share the Word of God with your congregation this morning. I believe that God has a word for you. And uh, if you open up your heart, if you open up your mind and you come with a, a posture of expectation, God will never fail us. God always has a portion for us. Take your portion this morning. Take your part, and you shall leave this place more blessed than how you came. Amen? Can you say a big amen? Praise God. Let's open our Bibles to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 7. 2 Kings, chapter 6, from verse 1 to verse 7. And we're going to get straight into the Word of God. Praise the Lord. 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 1. To verse 7. The title of the message is Recovering What We Have Lost or What We Are Losing. Recovering What We Have Lost or What We Are Losing. The word of the Lord says the following 2 Kings 6, verse 1 to verse 7. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Let us go, we pray, unto Jordan and take every man a beam and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go. And one said, Be content, I pray, and go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. Verse 4. So he went with them, and they came to Jordan, and they cut down wood. And as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried, and he said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick, and he cast it in the water, and the iron did swim. Verse 7. Therefore, he said, take it up to yourself. And he put out his hand, and he took it to himself. Can you say amen to the word of God this morning? Come on, a big amen. Recovering what you have lost, recovering what we are losing. Powerful message this morning. I believe God's going to speak to you. The, the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, In the last days perilous times shall come. And as, as I've been traveling and even as I uh, talk with believers and Christians, there, there is a, a definite uh, climate of 
perilous times that we are living in. The word perilous, if you look at it in the, in the original, it has the idea of wearing out. There's a wearing out. There is a, there is a, uh, a burdensome spirit that's coming upon people, and, and, and in that case, upon Christians, a wearing out of the saints. The Bible calls it the wearing out of the saints, the frustration. And this is, this is going on today among many Christians. Their passion, the fire for God, the enthusiasm for the things of God is, is wearing out. It's a real spirit that is across the land. It's a real spirit that is in, in many churches. People losing their joy, losing the, the fire for God, losing their hunger for the things of God. And it's, it's a spirit that is out there coming against the believer. But I'm here this morning to, to say to you that we don't have to participate in that spirit. Amen. We can hold on to what God has given to us and we can maintain our fire. We can maintain our passion and our enthusiasm for the things of God despite the times that we live in, despite what is coming up against us for us to lose our faith. The Bible even says, you know, that when Jesus Christ shall come, will he find faith on the earth? So there's this endeavor to rob us, us of our faith, to wear out our faith, to wear out our, our joy. But this morning, I want to just share a few things about how we, can, how we can keep sharp for God, how we can maintain our joy, how we can maintain our passion for the things of God. And if we have lost it or we are losing it, how can we get it back? And Acts, in Bible times, was a very, very important tool. It was used, obviously, for the cutting down of trees. But an axe is only effective and serviceable to its full potential when it is sharp. If it's not sharp, it does not serve its full potential. An axe had to be sharpened, amen, and for if someone was to neglect it because of busyness or carelessness, the axe would ultimately become blunt. And therefore, the one using the axe would have to use more force and more strength and more energy in its use. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10 says, If the axe be blunt and he does not sharpen it, then must one put more strength into its use. If the axe is blunt, then must one put more strength into its use. And an axe becomes blunt because of carelessness, because of neglect, because of becoming busy. And... In this case, the reason that the axe head fell into the water while the man was cutting down trees is because the axe head was blunt. It had become blunt. And in the middle of what he was doing, in the middle of cutting down trees, in the middle of his walk, in the middle of his, his ministry, in the middle of his, his family life, and on his journey, amen, as he was cutting down because of the neglect of the axe head it, and it was blunt, it came flying off and fell into the water. I want to say this morning, beloved, that you and I, individually, we are like an axe in the hands of God. We are like a, an axe in the hands of God, and God wants us sharp. God wants us to be effective for His kingdom. God wants us to be cutting down trees and, and advancing and conquering for the things of God. He, he wants us to be a sharp instrument, a sharp tool in His hands. He, he's not... He's not about neglecting us and being careless with us. or He's not too busy for us. He wants us to be sharp in His hands. But also, God has put into our hands. He's given to us gifts. 
He's given to us talents and ministries. He's given us a marriage. He's given us a business. He's given us a church where, that God, God wants us to keep it sharp. So did you hear that twofold areas in our life where we need to stay sharp? God wants us individually to stay sharp. But he also wants what he's put into our hands to stay sharp. So we deposit ourselves in his hand to make us sharp, and then he gives us the responsibility to whatever he's put into our hands to keep it sharp. So God wants us sharp and ready for use. Can you say a big amen this morning? Hallelujah. He wants our gift sharp. But if we become negligent and we become careless with our life, we become careless and negligent and we become too busy with our gift, with our ministry, with our marriage, with our family, then ultimately that which God has put in our hands or our life starts becoming blunt. We start to lose our edge. We start to lose the edge. Amen. But God wants us sharp. He doesn't want us to be a blunt instrument in His hands. He doesn't want your gift to be a blunt instrument in your hands. He doesn't want you to have to use more force. And I've got to really force myself to, to live this life. I've really, I've really got to force myself to go to church. I've really got to put a lot of energy to read the Bible. To, I really have to put a lot of energy to do ministry. Ultimately, if we, if we live our life like that, the, the axe is going to go flying out and we're going to lose what we once had. Oh, I've got to put a lot of energy into, into being a husband and being a father. I just got to really force myself. And, and, and if we're not careful and we neglect to sharpen those things in our life that God has given to us, sooner or later, they become blunt. There's a couple of things that we can do to keep ourselves sharp. Number one, self-discipline. Oh, I didn't think I was going to get a big, big amen there. Hallelujah. <laughs> self Discipline. How, how do I keep myself sharp? How do I keep, keep my gift sharp? How do I keep my ministry sharp? How do I keep my, my marriage on the cutting edge? Well, self-discipline. The Bible says in First Timothy, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, his son, who's, who's new into the ministry, and he gives him a counsel. He says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you're going to stay sharp, Timothy, in the ministry as a preacher, you need to study to show yourself approved unto God so that you do not, you will not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. Everybody say study. You'll stay sharp as you, as you work on yourself, as you study yourself, as you study the gift that God has given to you. If we do nothing, guess what? Nothing will happen. If we just sit by and the accent's there and we just, we just pick it up next time we need to use it and then we pick it up the next time we need to use it. If we do nothing, nothing is going to happen. Ultimately, it will become blunt. Everybody say study, study. Be diligent, eager, make an effort on what God has given to you on yourself and on the gift, on the skills, on the talents so that you can be approved unto God. The word approved means tried and tested, genuine. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Work on yourself so that God can work through you. Work on yourself so that God can work through you. Be prepared. Amen. Be a vessel that is fit for the master's use. We say, God, I want to do more for you. And God says, 
I need you to prepare more. I need you sharp. I need you with an, with an edge. Because where I want to take you, it's, gonna, it's going to take people that are prepared. Pass the test of being prepared. I love it when David went up against Goliath. The Bible says that, and there's so many things there, the time is, is, is ticking by here, but there's so many little things there that, you know, for David to take up a battle against Goliath, it didn't just happen overnight. There was a, a sharpening of, of his gift. There was, a, there was a, an edge to him and, and uh, a seriousness about him. You know, when, when he came up against Goliath, he had already taken out a bear and a lion. But not just that, before he goes towards Goliath, he, he goes to the brook waters and he takes out five smooth stones. Everybody say five, five, five. See, he's studying. He's been diligent about his, he's not taking for granted what he did yesterday. This is a new challenge. This is a new battle. I've got to be sharp for this Goliath. So he takes five smooth stones and he puts them into his bag. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 49 says, When he came up against Goliath, David put his hands in his bag and he took out five stones. What, what do you have in your bag? How sharp are you for the next level that God wants to take you on? So we need to work on ourselves. Work on your gift. You know, there's a preacher by the name of John Hagee in America, and he said something one day that I went, oh, wow, did he just say that? He said, he said it takes a preacher 20 years before he can preach. How do you like that, Pastor Joe? Amen? It takes a preacher 20 years before he can master the art of preaching. Getting sharper. Amen. An edge on that gift of preaching. Number two, time. Everybody say time. Time, time. Time sharpens us. Time prepares us. Let us not become weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Time includes process, and process includes patience, which includes pressure, but it leads to the promises of God. Can I say that again? Time includes process, and process includes patience, which includes pressure, but it leads to the promises of God. One of the things that God uses to sharpen you is time. Time. Time is not a bad thing. Amen. Allow time, allow process to sharpen you, to give you an edge. Deposit yourself in the hands of God and say, God, make me into something good. You know, it takes more time to make an expensive guitar than a cheap guitar. Amen. You know, it, it, takes, it takes much more time and effort to make a $1,000 guitar than to buy a $15 guitar at dollars and cents. Big difference. What it is, is time. Amen. Nothing expensive happens overnight. So go, allow God to work in you. Allow God to shape you. I, I, I say to my wife, I think I'm a better husband today, 21 years later, than what I was when we first got married. Amen. Time, time. It takes time to become a good husband. And, 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 and the wives look at their husbands and say, I don't know how much time it's going to take. Hallelujah. <laughs> It's taken a lot of time. <laughs> but anyway, it takes time to master finances. It takes time to master the ministry. It takes time to master a family. Allow God to sharpen you. Allow God to work. Allow the process. Don't become weary in doing well. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Faint not. Why do we become weary in doing well? Because while we're doing well, sometimes we don't see what we would like to see, so we get frustrated. God's given us a promise. 
And we start working towards that promise. And two years has gone by and nothing has happened. So we become weary, we become tired, we become frustrated, we become blunt. And we throw in the towel. What we don't realize that God is working on us. God is shaping us. God is developing us. God is stretching us. God is expanding us. He's doing a good work in us. And if we do not faint and we allow time to have its way, we shall reap if we faint not. Hallelujah. God is doing a good work. Amen. Can you say amen today? Hallelujah. Allow time to sharpen. You give God time. Delay is not a disaster. It's not a bad thing. It could be your protection and a season of sharpening, shaping, straightening, forming, getting you ready to start slicing. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together for good to them that love God. All things. Everybody say all things. All things. Not some things. All things. To them that love God. Do you love God this morning, church? Come on. Do you love God this morning? Well, all things, if you're in His will, you love God, you endeavor to obey His word, all things work together for your good. They are sharpening you. They are making you. All things work for you. They work for you. So give time. Give time to what God is doing in your life. Relationships. Number three, relationships. Relationships will sharpen us. The Proverbs 27, 17, As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen the countenance of his friend. Your relationships will either sharpen you or they will make you blunt. Your relationships will either encourage you or exhaust you. There are some relationships that encourage you. There's some relationships that exhaust you. There's some relationships that you get a headache after you talk with them. They exhaust you. They suck the life out of you. They make you blunt. They make you rusty. Relationships will either stretch you or they'll stagnate you. Relationships will either teach you or they will ruin you. They will feed your faith or they will eat away at your faith. Tell me who you hang out with and I will tell you where you end up. It's a little leaven. Leavens the whole lump. Ruins the whole lump. A little. A little poison in a meal makes that meal deadly. One wrong relationship. What's happened to you, my brother? What's happened to you, my, my friend? What's happened to you? You were on fire for God. You were going hard after God. You were cutting down trees. You were advancing. You were preaching. You were on the platform. You were, you were in church every Sunday. What, what's happened? And you can sort of, you know, with perspective, look, uh, relationship. There's a, rela- there's a wrong relationship there. We've got to get around the right people. Come on. We've got to get around faith people. That's why the church family is so important. Those who, are, those who are planted in the house. Come on, hallelujah. Those who are planted in the house shall flourish, shall bring forth fruit. Are you planted in the house this morning? What a, what a wonderful thing it is to be planted and rooted in the house of God. You're in the right place. This place will sharpen you. This place will stretch you. This place will encourage you. This place will make you a better believer. Hallelujah. It will make you a better father. It will make you a better mother. It will make you a better citizen in the kingdom of God. Number four, the presence of God. Everybody say the presence of God. We must never underestimate the power of the presence of God and an encounter with the fire of God to sharpen us in seconds. In seconds. In Acts chapter 2, the fire of God came, and this man by the name of Peter, who was unpolished, who was rough on the edges, amen, who had denied Jesus just a few weeks before, 
when the Holy Ghost fell on him, in, a, in, in an instant, in seconds, he got up and he preached the first New Testament sermon, hallelujah, with real good results. 3,000 people getting saved as a result of his first sermon. That sounds like sharp to me. I mean, I think we're in revival when three people get saved. Three. Can you imagine 3,000 people? That sounds like someone wielding the axe with, with an edge. Hallelujah. But it happened in the presence, in the, under the fire of God. In seconds, God can do things in our life. That's why the presence of God is so important. That's why we need the presence of God in our meetings. That's why we need the presence of God in our homes. That's why we need to go after the presence of God. Because there are some things that God can do in His presence that might take us one year to achieve. It happens in one minute in His presence. Hallelujah. Sharp. He was preached. His confidence came. He got bold in seconds. In his presence, we are sharpened, we are challenged, we are convicted. Amen. Hallelujah. David, David is in Ziklag. And the, 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 the town has been completely burned to the ground. They've taken their wives and their children. This, this warrior, the Bible says he was greatly distressed. Distressed. So you can also get distressed in seconds. Because of what he had heard. Not just that, his leadership and the church, the congregation picked up stones to throw it at him. Because they blamed him for what had happened. And so the Bible says they, he cried like a baby. He was weeping. He was crying. He was, he was losing that, that, that uh, general uh, fire, that spirit of a, of a warrior. And, and he's, he's distressed. He's not just stressed. He's de-stressed. He's really stressed. He says, what do I do? And the Bible says, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Oh, come on church, say amen this morning. He, he found a place of encouragement in the presence of God that sharpened him, that kept him strong. And then as soon as he came out of that, he turns to the priest and says, inquire of God, what do we do? And the priest said, go after them. That's it. From distress to going after the enemies and take back everything that the devil stole. Come on, say the presence of God. We need the presence of God. So the presence of God will sharpen you. But I just, just for the next few minutes, this is where I want to get to. That was my introduction. Okay? All right. Got a few moments here. Look at this. It's about how to, when, when, when all those things, you know, start to get blunt in our life and, and we begin to lose that. We begin to lose the edge. We begin to lose what maybe we once had. What are some things that we can do? And, and there's some powerful little tools here in this chapter that I've just read that I think will help us to get back, to recover what we have lost. And number one, what we see here in verse 5, it says, But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and he said, Alas, master. He went to the master. He cried to the master, to the prophet, for, and he said, For it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? Number one, say the man of God. Come on, the man of God. Or we could say someone helps us. So he lost the axe head. It fell into the water and he did the right thing. He went to the prophet. He went to the man of God and he, he inquired of the man of God. He, said, he came to him for help. And then the man of God, listen to this, asked a question. Where did it fall? See, some, sometimes we need people in our life, the right people, 
if, if at all possible, authorities, spiritual authorities, people that God has put over our life. Amen. The Bible says that God has given to the body of Christ apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting or for the edification of the body of Christ. If we just could only realize how important the fivefold ministry is for the effectiveness of our faith life. So he goes to the man of God. He goes to someone that can help him, and that man begins to ask some questions. See, we need, we need people in our life that will ask some questions. Where did it fall? When did this start happening? When did you start feeling like this? Who are you hanging around? I haven't seen you in church lately. No wonder. Hello. Ask the right questions. The man of God. Everybody say, the man of God, the man of God. Pastor Joe, the man of God, the man of God of this house. That's why preaching is so important, because in the preaching of God's Word, you get some answers to what you're going through. Where did it fall? Thank God he went to the man of God. He didn't go to somebody else and said to him, it's your fault, get out of here. He didn't go to someone that said, I saw that coming. You know what, now there's no hope for you. No, because the man of God always has your best interest at heart. And any question that the man of God asks of you is for your benefit. It's for your edification. Where did it fall? When did it all start happening? Are we here this morning? Hallelujah. And then not only did he ask him a question, then he set up a strategy. He set up a process. You can read it there. He said, you know, he said to the man, the, the man showed him where it fell. And then he says, and he cut down a stick and he cast it into the water. Now it says, that, and the man of God said, where did it fall? And then not only did he ask a question, but then he also gave him a process. He gave him a strategy. He gave him a method. This is how we're going to get it back. He implemented a process. He pointed him in the right direction. He spoke into his life. He says, and he showed him the place and he cut down a stick. Now, that there I've been, you know, trying to study it and trying to see even in some commentaries now when it says, and he showed him the place and he cut down a tree. I used to always think that it was uh, Elisha that cut down the stick or the tree. But as I was studying that, it, it doesn't make a difference there between the first he and the second he. It says, and he, the man, showed him the place and he, I think the man, implemented and put into practice what the man of God had told him to do. So this is where many of us miss it. You know, we, 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 we come to the man of God. We come to someone that can help us. They ask the right questions. They, 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 they speak into our lives. They give us a, another perspective. And then they tell us, look, this is what you should do. And this is how you're going to recover. This is, this is what I think you should do. And many of us go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it my way. So either, either they are the man of God or this person is someone that we trust in or they are not. See, we need mentors, we need coaches, we need people that can speak into our life. Give us another perspective. Am I shouting hallelujah? Are you getting this? It's powerful. That's why I love coming to church and you listen to a man of God that's anointed, that's been before God throughout the week. That's why it's important the church you go to. They better preach the word of God. They better give you God's perspective because that's going to help you. It's going to help you see some things. Okay, that's where I'm, I'm failing. That's where I'm lacking. This is what I need to do. 
And that's why the Word of God says, do not become hearers of the Word only, but doers of the Word. The greatest mistake of many believers is that we're just hearers of the Word. We don't do the Word, but it's in the doing of the Word that the, that the promise of the Word becomes real in our life. It's amazing what will happen when we start doing the Word. There is a reward system that happens by just applying God's Word. So you come out of church, God has shown you what's going on. He's asked you some questions. He's spoken into your life. And he said, this is what you should do. Point number one, point number two, point number three. And you go out there and you say, I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to believe what God's word says. And I'm going I'm to start to recover what I have lost. Because sometimes we, we want others, and we're going to get to that later on, others to do what we can do for ourselves. So you've got to allow people to speak into your life. For, for the sake of time, I cannot go there. I wanted to read it. But in Exodus chapter 18, Moses is pastoring the people of Israel. Millions of people. And his, everybody say father-in-law. His father-in-law. Who loves their father-in-law here? Yeah? Oh, not many. <laughs> he's, he's pastoring this, this three million people. And his father-in-law, Jethro, comes on the scene. He's not only his father-in-law, but he's also a priest. So there's an honor here for an authority as a, of a father, but also of a spiritual authority. There's an honor. He comes on the scene, and I can, I can see Jethro. You can see it in that story. He's sitting back. He's got his foot on the wall, and he's folding his arm, and he's watching Moses do ministry. And he's watching Moses from the morning to the evening counseling the people of God. And then after, you know, and I don't know, while they're having a coffee, Moses is telling him, man, this is getting hard. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm not spending enough time with my wife. And, and Jethro is just listening. He's, he's listening. He's listening. And then the next day they go back to, to work and he's, got his, and he's watching Moses do ministry. And then he says, Moses, let's go for a coffee. Uh, when Pastor Joe says, let's go for a coffee. What you, you know, whenever I say to my people, let's go for a coffee, they say, Pastor, what have I done wrong? I said, just relax. I just want to have some time with you. They get real scared. And they sent me back a text, Pastor, is, is this a good coffee or a bad coffee? <laughs> no, I just want to speak into your life. See, some people just want a mentor until you correct them. But when you correct them, you're not their mentor anymore. You're a menace. Ah, oh, hallelujah. So Jethro says, hey, Moses, come with me. Come here. He sits him down. And you can read it in Acts chapter 18. It's powerful. He literally says to him, I've been watching you. I've been observing you. And he says this. And he starts asking him questions. Why are you doing this? There are three questions. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it like that? Why are you the only one doing this? And then he's, and then Moses says, well, the reason I'm doing it is because I'm the only one. I'm the anointed. And then Jethro says like this, verbatim. He says, the thing that you do is wrong. And can you imagine Moses going, <clears throat> excuse me. When was the last time you saw the Red Sea open? When was the last time you saw God do great miracles? No, no. Moses, okay, keep going. The thing that you do, the way you do it is wrong. If you listen to me and you do what I say, it shall go well with you. And he begins to implement a process. Do this, do this, do that, and do this. Now it's up to Moses now. Moses was burdened. He was already burdened on the mountain. He couldn't even raise his hands long enough. He was tired. And Moses did what his father-in-law said. And it brought, it brought longevity to his ministry and joy to his ministry. Amen. We need to allow people to say to us, the thing that you do is wrong. 
Why don't you try it like this? Why don't you do it like that? This is why you're getting blunt. You're taking on too much. You need to change this. You need to change that. You need to approach it like this. Amen. I'll do it. Amen. Praise God. Number two. It says the, the iron, what happened? The iron did swim. Okay. Number one, the man of God, someone helps us. Number two, the iron did swim. God helps us. So the iron did swim. Do you know that's a miracle? That's a supernatural act. So we can never underestimate the supernatural power of God coming on the scene whenever we apply a process. The supernatural power of God works with, his, with our natural process. Do you still believe in miracles? I believe in miracles. I believe that God is a God of miracles. I believe that when God comes on a situation, when God comes on, on, on a, a certain arena of our life, amen, impossible things become possible. So if we've heard from the man of God, we've heard from someone, we've, we've received counsel, we've received an impartation into our life, and we begin to do what we've been told, we begin to apply God's Word, I believe that God will show up. I believe that God will do a miracle. The iron did swim. How does that happen? The iron begins to swim, begins to float on the water. That's a miracle. I want to prophesy this morning over your life that things that you have lost, as you begin to apply God's Word, as you begin to be obedient to God's Word, as you begin to hear to the counsel from the men of God and the women of God that He's put over your life, that supernatural things are going to start to happen. Hallelujah. The iron will start to swim. God is going to pour out His power in your life because when man comes short, God comes on the scene. Come on, say amen, hallelujah. There's a powerful story there in John chapter 5, verse 7. There's an impotent man, amen. He's, he's been paralyzed for a very, very long time. And Jesus comes up to him and Jesus, and, and, and this is what happens. The impotent man said to Jesus, says to Jesus, I have no man. Everybody say no man. I have no man when the water is stirred to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another man steps in before me. Jesus said to him, arise, take up your bed, and walk. So sometimes there are things in our life where no man can help. He says, I have no man. The truth is that no man could help him. Man can take us so far. Amen. We can do our process and go so far. Then we need a miracle. Then we need the supernatural power of God. Amen. This man is talking to Jesus. He doesn't even know who he's talking to. He says, I have no man, but you've got the man. You've got the man in front of you. So maybe this morning you feel like you've lost the fire, you've lost the passion, you've lost the energy, you've lost the romance, you've lost the, the, the joy of, of the ministry, you, you've lost the, you know, the, 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 the faith, and, and, and you, you, you know, you're, you're implementing God's Word, you're doing God's Word, you're, you're applying God's process, but you've come to the end of yourself when no man can help. What you need is a miracle, hallelujah. What you need is for God to, be, to make that thing float on the water, hallelujah. I I still believe in miracles. No man can help. Man can take us so far. We can go so far, but then we need a miracle. I've done what I can do, God, but now I need a miracle. Are you in that place this morning? No man can help anyway. It's impossible. How is this going to revive? How is this going to be stirred up again? No man. Because no man could help. The, 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 there was a man paralyzed in Mark chapter 2. 
he couldn't get to Jesus. He heard that Jesus was in a house. I was preaching this to the young people yesterday. Jesus was in a house. He could not get to Jesus. He was paralyzed. He heard that Jesus was there, but he couldn't get there. But he had four good friends. I spoke to the youth yesterday. Parents remind them that they've got to choose four good friends that are going to draw them closer to Jesus, that are going to bring them to Jesus. And so the four men brought this man to Jesus. They implemented a process. They did something. They were going to take you to Jesus. And they, they, they did a lot of things there that were radical. They broke down the roof. They put the man in the, in, in the, in through the roof before Jesus. And so this is it. They could only do so much. They could take him to Jesus, but they couldn't heal the man. Now it's up to Jesus to do the miracle. So we do what we can, and then let's never underestimate the power of God, the supernatural. And the last one is the brother comes and plays. Brother Ben or the other brother that was playing, come up and play. That way I know that I've got to finish. <laughs> the last one is, look what he says. He says, therefore, Elijah said to him, take it up to yourself. And he put out his hand and he took it. Take it up to yourself. And he put out his hand and he took it. This one is, so the first one is, someone helps us. Number two, God helps us. Number three, we help ourselves. He said to him, you take it up. You stretch out your hand and you take it up. Church, there's times in our life that we need to take ownership. We need to possess. We need to have some action. Obedience, faith. You, the, 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 there's, a, there's a saying out there in the world, take, take it by the scruff of the neck. Take it by the scruff of the neck. I was with Pastor Mario two weeks two weekends ago. I was preaching over there in Sydney. We were having a coffee, and he said something one day, and I hadn't heard of it. And he said that back in Italy, they used to say, you can bring the horse to the water, but you cannot make the, water, the, the horse drink. You can bring the horse to the water, but you cannot make the horse drink. So we, can, we can do everything we, we can to get you to a position of, of uh, recovering what you have lost. But then you've got to take it. There it is. Take back your joy. Take back your marriage. Take back your ministry. Take back the fire. Take back the passion. Come on, you, you do it. Come on, you've got hands. Take it. Start obeying God. Put some action. Get around the right people. Amen. Take it this morning. Get back what you've lost. You have the man of God. The miracles of God. And we help ourselves. Let's all stand up this morning. Hallelujah. Can we just raise our hands to the heavens all over this place? Hallelujah. And then when the man got the axe head, I think Elijah sat him down and said, this is how you sharpen that axe. Keep it sharp. Keep it sharp. So that this, this doesn't happen again. Have you lost your edge? 
Have you lost the fire? Have you lost your passion? Have you lost what you once had? Is there a, rare, is there a perilous time that you are going through, a wearing out? Are you being torn away at? Are you wearing out by life's trials, by life's pressures, by the demands of life, by the busyness of life? Have we become careless with our walk of faith? Are we just doing the rounds? Are we just doing the mundane things? Are, are we just doing ministry? And blunt, we need to sharpen that edge. Just for the next few minutes, we just can believe that the presence of God comes into this place and begins to do a work in us. Come on, it's there. It's, it's floating. Take it. Take it. I take back what is mine. I make a decision today. I choose that from this day forward, I'm going to walk right. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to have, I'm going to allow time. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to work on my gift. I'm not going to take for granted what I have, the people that I have in my life. I'm going to work so that this axe head can stay sharp, so that I can slice and be effective in the kingdom of God. If we can just sing a chorus to the Lord, whatever chorus, and just for the next few minutes as we close this service, just allow the Lord to do something right there where you are. We all need some more sharpening. We all need to get back a little bit of edge. We all get frustrated with life. Let's sing to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for your word. It's just powerful. So good to hear the word of God, Lord. It's so good to hear truth, Lord God. So good to hear principles of your word that bring life. So, so good to hear, Father, uh, uh, principles that release the power and, and, and the miracles, Father, and the supernatural in our lives. Simple truths, but yet powerful truths. Father, I just pray that right across this congregation, Father, we would take that thought. Whatever it is that we need to do, whatever that next step is for us, that we would take that, Lord God. And as we walked out of this place, we wouldn't just say, well, that was a great word, but we would actually be doers of the word. Father, that we would, we would, we would, we would obey. We would do whatever it is that we need to do, Lord. We love you, God. And we just thank you for your grace, mercy, Thank you, Father, that there was a day when we were lost, not completely lost, and you took a step towards us. You came searching for us. You came looking for us. And, and, and you didn't stop until you found us. And we just thank you.